Uh, did Kendall share with you what was happening on Friday here? We had a PD day camp here. Uh, there's another one coming up at the end of November. Uh, if you're wondering what the Pokemon sign is out uh, in our front lawn, that's what it's referring to. And, uh, and when we have PD day camps, uh, often we run a camp here at the church with, uh, in partnership with Camp Evergreen, who comes down and helps run the camps. And we had over 50 kids here this last Friday. Uh, and at least half of them were not uh, church families, SunWest kids. Uh, and so it's something really cool that's happening. Uh, it's connecting with our community. Uh, it's, it's responding to a very real need. And so we're really excited about what Kendall's doing there and, uh, and how effective that is going. All right, we are starting a new series, as she mentioned today, called Our Story, Reading the Past and uh, Writing the Future. And so if you're new to SunWest, maybe you've been coming for two weeks, maybe you've been coming for 20 years, um, I would invite you to share in our story. So some of you were around a long time ago when SunWest had bagels every single Sunday morning. And it, does anybody here that was around then when we had bagels every Sunday morning? Okay. Uh, so there's a, there's a number of you. And, and this is like a throwback. You know, if you went to get a bagel and you put your hand on that knife and it was all sticky with jam... That was like normal life uh, way back in the day when we had bagels every week. And you got fresher bagels today than we used to have. We used to get used bagels, or not used bagels, they weren't. <laughs> not sure how to come back from that one. Uh... So we used to get bagels that were a day old, uh, they were donated, and they were stale, and we had blocks of cream cheese, and plastic knives, and jam jars, and, and people wouldn't eat breakfast because they would look forward to these stale bagels, and, and so you get all sticky, and you had like cream cheese everywhere, and you're, you weren't sure whose germs you were eating when you were spreading stuff on your bagel, and I found out this morning, or I was reminded this morning, uh, that we even cut the bagels in quarters. That's how cheap we were. They were free bagels. They were free bagels that we cut in quarters so uh, that we could save money or just make it last longer. Uh, that's, that's how cheap SunWest is. Luckily, we don't need to do that anymore. But this is a, the bagels were intentional. It's a bit of a throwback to our past, our story. And this is what the series is all about. We're going to be looking at... Uh, the past, our DNA, uh, and we're also going to be looking at the future. Every one of us has a past. Every one of us has a story. Your highs and your lows in your own past shape you. They shape your values. They shape uh, your dreams. They shape uh, what you think is important, what you want to do with your life. And uh, the same that is true individually is also true corporately. We corporately have a story. We have highs, we have lows that have shaped us. Like I said, if you've been with us two weeks, 20 years, or anywhere in between, you're part of our story. SunWest started almost 25 years ago. In early fall, I, I asked Gwen Reimer, they were, it was planted by Willie Reimer and Gwen Reimer, and I asked Gwen Reimer uh, to share with me a little bit of the beginning of that story so that we can 
understand it because most of us were not here 25 years ago when the story started. In early fall 1993, we started dreaming and discerning in community what kind of ministry context was next for us. Willie was in his final year of his master's program at MBBS in Fresno, California. In conversations with another student, he found out the ABMB conference had a vision to plant a church in Calgary. They had written up a profile of the kind of church they wanted to see started in the southeast of Calgary. A church that would see unchurched people meet the transforming person of Jesus Christ. A place where people would meet Jesus and walk in freedom, hope, and healing. We read that and it resonated with us. In February 1994, we flew to Halifax to discern wh whether God was calling us to plant a church there. After a week on the ground, we discerned it was not the right place for us. Upon returning to Fresno, Willie inquired a third time about the church plant in Calgary. They still said no. By this time, most of our fellow students were being placed in ministry positions and we still did not have one. A couple more offers came our way and we did a few more interviews, but our hearts kept going back to the position in Calgary. So we said no to them. By the beginning of April, we were starting to feel a little anxious about where we were going to land. Graduation was upon us and most of the positions in the MB conference had, had been spoken for. Nothing had resonated with us as much as the Calgary church plant. We continued praying and waiting on God to direct us. At the end of April, the ABMB church planting task, so ABMB stands for Alberta Mennonite Brethren Conference, uh, church planting task force, force called us and asked if we could come for a visit next week. Not sure what force was supposed to be. Uh, Willie was just completing assignments, so we postponed the visit for one more week and arrived in Calgary at the beginning of May 1994. Immediately after getting off the plane in Calgary, we looked at each other and said, we're home. They hired us and we moved here in August 1994 with no home, two small children, and a third one on the way, and a dream to see God do more than we could ask or imagine. 1994, almost 25 years ago. This is the beginning of our story. And this phrase, a dream to see God do more than we could ask or imagine, is taken from Ephesians 3.20. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty work, at, mighty power at work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That was a theme verse for William and Gwen as they came here, that God might do more than they could even ask or imagine in South Calgary. They wanted to plant a church that unchurched people that didn't have a background, that didn't have a faith background, would come to know Jesus. This was the heartbeat that William and Gwen had. Now in this series, I want to I look at our family DNA. What, what makes us who we are as a faith community? If I were to summarize... Uh, kind of what makes us, us. And I looked at our DNA. Uh, I would say there's three primary pieces that influence who we are in a significant way, that have been a significant part of our story. The first one is evangelical, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. We're an evangelical church. What does that mean? The second one uh, is that we're charismatic. You know, we're going to talk about that next week. What, is that, what does that piece even mean? Uh, the third one being Anabaptist. And Kendall mentioned that this morning. We're going to talk about what, what that piece means. So I want to spend three weeks talking about those three things, what that has meant in our past. 
But we are more than our past, and God's calling us into a new future. And so not only this series is a reflection on our past, it's also a vision for uh, where I sense, where we sense God uh, leading us into the future. So I want to talk about evangelical. What does that word mean? What does that word mean? And I had a picture that I was going to show you on the screen at this point that was going to be amazing. And, and I googled evangelical, and half of the pictures that came up on Google were pictures of Donald Trump campaigning and having people praying for him, having signs of uh, people supporting Donald Trump. That was half of the pictures, half of the images on Google Images when I Googled evangelical. And so you can understand my hesitancy when I use the word evangelical. I don't even want to use it because of so many connotations of what it means politically. But if you actually go to the heart of the word, it's a beautiful word. If we understand what the word means, the, the, the root of evangelical in the Greek is euangelion. Everybody say euangelion. Good job. So the heart of this word, this, this word means good news. It means gospel. It, when we use the word evangelism, that is the root of this word. So when we understand that, when we understand this in that context, it says in Mark 16, 15, you'll find all sorts of phrases like this in the Gospels. Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, preach the good news, preach the euangelion to all of creation. This was the commandment that Jesus gave his followers. The good news I mentioned Ephesians 3 and when William and Gwen were called to Sun West. That was one of the key verses when they felt a sense of calling here. The other key verse was in Luke chapter 4, 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. Jesus is saying, God has appointed me to proclaim good news, the euangelion, that he's going to set people free, that prisoners are going to be free, that, that lame will walk, that people will be healed, people that don't have sight will see. This is the good news of the kingdom. This is evangelical in its core sense. Euangelion is the good news from a king. And the good news is that there's a new king in town, that Jesus is king, that, his, that heaven has come to earth. Jesus says, preach and proclaim that the, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repeat, repent and believe the good news. There's a new king and we're invited to come under his kingship. That's the good news. The Bible also uses family language. That God has actually called us to be a part of his family. That's the good news. That we weren't citizens, that we weren't family, but God has done everything through Jesus to actually make a way for us to come to him, to know him, to live under his kingship, to be in his family. That is the good news. So no matter your story, where you're coming from this morning, that is the good news that Jesus came to proclaim. That is the heart of why Sun West was planted 25 years ago, that people that didn't know that good news would come to know that good news. 
We have a mission statement at SunWest. You hear it every Sunday. It says, SunWest exists to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. That phrase has been almost the same for 25 years. We added a couple of words into it as the years went on, but the phrase as it was originally intended says, SunWest exists to guide people into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a couple of words that we added along the way, but I want to talk about the, a few of, the, few of the words that were there in the beginning. Go to the next slide. Guide. Everybody say guide. So SunWest exists to guide. This word was chosen very intentionally because we at SunWest and William Gwen at SunWest wanted to ensure that this was not a church that was about the clergy, the professional Christians, and the attenders and the lady. Everybody was on the same journey together. If you go back to our very beginning documents, we use journey language because we believe that God has invited us all into a journey, all into a story, and that we are all in need of being saved. We're all in need of being redeemed, and that None of us have arrived. None of us are perfect. And that goes from everybody to the leader who is ever leading the organization, the church, uh, all the way down to somebody who's showing up for the first time. We were all on a journey together. This is why the word guide was chosen. Some of us exist to guide. We're journeying together. It's my conviction that I need not invite anybody to a journey that I'm not myself living. This is also why we use the word authentic, which we'll get to in a second. Next word. There you go, authentic. That we sought to create an authentic church, one that didn't have pretenses, one where we weren't pretending to be something that we weren't. One that if you are having a terrible day, that you could come to church and talk about your terrible day. One where if you wanted to show up in your pajamas, you could show up in your pajamas. If you want to show up in a suit, show up in your suit. My son came to church this morning in a poop emoji costume. From his, he doesn't normally wear that, but that was his Halloween costume. He, he showed up in the foyer, went downstairs to the kids' church. He had a poop emoji on. Um, well, that's how he wanted to come to church. Okay, so that was a, a core value of the type of church we wanted to to have, the type of community that we wanted to have, that you didn't have to dress the part, act the part, have the right language, whoever you were, whatever your story was, this was a place that you could come and experience the good news of Jesus. Next word, relationship. Now we always talk about relationship with God, but what does that even mean? We, we use that word in contrast with religion. Many of us who have had church experiences in the past have experienced uh, maybe religion more than relationship, hoops that we needed to jump through in order to be right with God. And depending on the faith tradition or church experience you've been a part of, it would depend on the different hoops that you had to jump, jump through in order to be right with God. But we believe that Jesus calls us not to religion. Jesus actually came to do away with religion. Jesus came to create a pathway for relationship. And so this authentic relationship, the heart behind SunWest was to, to actually create a community that people could authentically experience relationship with each other, but more importantly, relationship with Jesus. 
You want to take away any barriers, anything that would stand in the way of that relationship. Next, Jesus Christ. Everybody say Jesus Christ. You think maybe that one's obvious, that we should have it in there. Unfortunately, it's not as obvious as it should be. There's lots of faith gatherings and communities that, you know, Jesus isn't necessarily the foundational reason why they gather. 25 years ago, it was because of the good news of Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done. Because Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that he was resurrected on the third day. That death and sin have no power over us, and he invites us into his family. That is all founded. Jesus is the only foundation. Christ is not his last name. Christ means Messiah, which is another way of saying king. That Jesus is king. That Jesus is Lord over all. Next slide. So I want to talk about seeker sensitivity this morning. Willow Creek is a huge church in Chicago that has done amazing things. And it has impacted the story of SunWest significantly. Willie was impacted by Willow Creek. The, the idea behind uh, Willow Creek and other churches like it is basically to remove religious barriers to help people find Jesus very easily and accessibly. And so that resonated with where SunWest was, where we wanted to go. And if you look at, if you Google seeker sensitivity, this is what comes up. The seeker sensitive label is associated with some megachurches where Christian messages are often imparted by means of elaborate creative elements, emphasizing secular pop culture such as popular music styles. And so the idea behind the seeker sensitive movement was to basically be as culturally relevant as possible in our language and our music style and the way that we do things so that people who were not church, the people that didn't have a church background would actually feel comfortable in a faith community. That they, they would be able to experience the good news of Jesus in a place that doesn't feel so foreign to them. The heart behind this was evangelical. It was for people to help to experience the good news of Jesus, that Jesus was king, that Jesus was savior, that they could find freedom, that they could be part of the family of God. There was a particular church named Oak Hills uh, that Willie actually adopted much of the ministry model that, that SunWest was founded on. So the pastors at Oak Hills, Kent Carlson and Mike Lukin are the pastors there. And, and they kind of had a certain model around seeker sensitivity that SunWest was based on. And many of us don't know this, and I actually didn't know this for a long time. But we go back to the bagels, those sticky bagels. Why, why were they there? Well, we wanted people to feel at home. You know, you eat bagels at home, don't you? Some of you? So they come to church, they could have breakfast at church. Well, that's great. Uh, we had, we, we met in a community center. We didn't have a church building until a couple years ago. We met in a community center, which was not, uh, a lot of churches weren't meeting in community centers. And part of the thinking was, hey, people go to community centers all the time, these types of buildings. And maybe being in that type of building would allow people to feel more comfortable coming and experience the good news of Jesus. We changed our language. We, you know, we used words type, such as Christ follower instead of Christian. Because we wanted people to be clear about what we were talking about. I remember coming to lead a worship song, or lead worship one morning at SunWest, and I was going to sing a song called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. And Willie told me, you're not allowed to sing that song. I 
I said, why not? He said, nobody knows what you're talking about. It sounds horrific. Think about it. From someone that doesn't have a church background, nothing but the blood of Jesus washing my sins. I was like, that just sounds freaky. Uh, right? And so, so we had like these types of rules uh, in order to make the environment as accessible and as comfortable as possible. I remember we had Walmart videos of staff like going into Walmart and doing crazy things. I remember shooting a staff video where we did... Uh, where we did a gymnastics, uh, it was during one of the Olympics years, we thought it'd be funny to do like a, a spoof with all of our staff pretending to be gymnasts, and uh, that was eventful. Uh, it, and we, did, we had other things, like we, we had Dr. Phil come in. I don't know if you guys remember when Dr. Phil uh, came to SunWest. Not the real Dr. Phil. We had, we, we, we had an actor that came to act as Dr. Phil because we thought, you know, this will be cool. People will be interested in, you know, in this type of thing, and uh, and. Everybody, it's like everybody showed up at church that day because they thought the real Dr. Phil was going to be here. We had many, many angry people because uh, they came to this church to experience Dr. Phil and they wind, they wound up going to a church with a fake Dr. Phil. They were, they were ripped off. Well, why do we do that? We wanted to create opportunities where people that didn't know God, didn't have a church background, had come to know God. Seeker sensitivity. This had unintended consequences, though. And you're going to see this in our, vi in our mission statement in a second. I, was, I came across this... Flip a few slides ahead to the, the book. I came across this book. Uh, I was at a conference, actually, with Willie after uh, Willie had moved on. Uh, a different job and wasn't at SunWest anymore. And I said, interesting, Willie. Like, look, look at this book. And it's this book here. What happens when a seeker church discovers spiritual formation? And, and this is when I found out that the writers of this book was, was who, was what SunWest was built on. The, the church, the pastors that wrote this book were the pastors from Oak Hill Church. I said, Fascinating. And I started reading this book. And it was interesting because Willie and I had had lots of conversations about seeker sensitivity and, and the importance of being missional, about having people encounter the good news of Jesus. And this church had been a few years down the road from us, and they started recognizing some of the, some of the challenges that we also recognize. Now, let me read a few quotes from the book. Go to the next slide. So to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus... Consumerism was not a force to be harnessed, but rather an anti-biblical value system that had to be prophetically challenged. So the whole idea of this book is, is actually addressing the drive between the seeker-sensitive model of doing church. It, it actually is built upon the same values of consumerism. That people would come to church and have a product they enjoyed. That people would come to church and they, maybe they'd be entertained. Maybe they would laugh. Maybe... And he's identifying this value of consumerism that is behind the seeker-sensitive model of doing church. He says it's an anti-biblical value system that has to be prophetically challenged. Next slide. Does the way we do church reinforce the theology of death to self? To what extent have we oriented our church around the needs of people who have minimal interest in actually living as disciples of Jesus? Next slide. Our attraction methods are not value neutral. We are training people as we attract them. In other words, he's saying 
the means doesn't always justify the end. Sometimes the means becomes the message. And so if the message is it's about you, it's about you being comfortable, it's about everything being accessible, uh, that becomes the message over time. And what these pastors at Oak Hill recognize is that people cannot consume them way into a, consume their way into a life of discipleship. Next slide. We should be more truthful with each other here. They come because their high school kid likes youth, the youth program, or because their children don't get bored, or because they like the music, or because the pastor preaches the Bible, they believe it the way they believe it should be preached, or because they happen to be greeted by a smiling face one day, or because the worship leader looks like Brad Pitt. People come to church for all sorts of reasons. Next slide. We must become deeply convinced that this is contrary to the teachings of Jesus Christ, the one who invited us to deny ourselves and lose our lives in order to find them. If we do nothing to confront this in our churches, we are merely putting a religious veneer over consumerism and nothing has changed. We offer no real, viable, attractive, alternative way of living. Wow. Does that make sense? So, Check out this, this next verse that Jesus gives us. Next slide. Oh, sorry, we got another one. And what is, yeah, go to that one, go to that one. And what is worse, our churches become part of the problem by harnessing the power of consumerism to grow our churches. We are more firmly forming our people into consumers. Pastors end up being as helpful as bartenders at an Alcoholics Anonymous convention. We do not offer what people really need. So remember, the guys that are writing this, are the, are, they had great success in growing a church based on these principles. But they recognize that the very foundation of it, there was something broken. Next slide. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? So reflect on this for a second. If a church is founded and is using consumerism, marketing strategies to help people experience Jesus, there will become a crisis point when they are asked to give up their lives to follow him. That the means actually isn't leading logically to the end. Coming to experience the good news of Jesus is actually an admission that Jesus is king and I am not, which is contrary to my consumeristic values as a North American person. To give up my life to follow Jesus is not comfortable, right? To pick up my cross to follow him is to deny myself and to make Jesus Lord. Here's another passage that says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Next slide. Looking at the man, 
go to the next slide. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So here's an invitation that Jesus has to follow him, to pick up his, to pick up his cross and, and follow him. And he doesn't take it because the man wasn't willing to let go of his comfort of what he held so dear. The authors of this book recognize to follow Jesus actually means to become a bit uncomfortable. To follow Jesus means that he's king and that I'm not. To follow Jesus means to admit that I have a need that I can't fulfill, that nothing in this world can fulfill, and I need God to fill me with his spirit. These concepts are contrary to the consumer culture in our world. And so right at the heart of the seeker-sensitive movement is something broken. But I hope that you see the heart of why SunWest existed, regardless of the model, was so that people would experience the good news of Jesus. And so over time, our mission actually changed a little bit. There were some tweaks in it. So go to the next slide. SunWest exists to guide all people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus. There was a realization that this is not just about getting people to church. This is not about getting people to serve. This is not even about getting people to pray a prayer and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. If they weren't interested in following him with their life, we missed the point. Jesus has called us to be disciples, not converts. If you, if you look at the Gospels and you say, uh, I'm, I'm going to find a, an example of where somebody prayed the prayer. Right? We talk about that, like Jesus coming to my life. Not that praying that prayer is a, a terrible thing at all, but Jesus primarily calls us to be disciples. Jesus primarily calls us to follow him. Jesus primarily calls us to let him be Lord of our life, to be our Savior, to be our forgiver. Now, I'm... I'm not undervaluing that initial prayer response. I remember when I was eight years old, I prayed that prayer, and it was significant for me. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I, I was reflecting on this, and, and I, felt, um, I felt the nudge to find that camp counselor that prayed with me, that started that journey. I, ha I haven't seen him since that week at camp, but I knew his name. And so I found him. I creeped him on Facebook. Uh, I messaged him, and I said, you know, 25 years ago, you know, there was a boy, you probably don't remember me, uh, but I was in your cabin, and there was one night that we were out on a walk, and you invited me to make Jesus Lord of my life, to be my Savior, to forgive my sins, and that moment transformed my life. And this is how my life has gone, and I shared with him a little bit of the last 25 years of my life. He didn't respond to me, maybe he said, but... Creepy guy. Uh, but I wanted to know that that moment that maybe was insignificant to him transformed my entire life. And so I'm not belittling those moments at all because, because that moment changed it for me. But Jesus didn't want me to respond to him in that moment just in chapel. He wanted me to give him his life. And I had to make the decision... You know, I remember I was kneeling down in that chapel giving my life to Jesus and I had to make the decision over and over and over again through my life whether I was going to continue to bend my knee and make Jesus the Lord of my life. Whether I was going to continue to go to him 
for forgiveness, whether I was going to continue to go to him and ask him to free me. Jesus is not just interested in the decision, he's interested in our life. And so we recognize that, you know, part of the way we, we were approaching church was didn't get the whole picture. The heart of it was good. We wanted people to encounter Jesus. We wanted people to give their lives to Jesus. But that wasn't the end point. That was actually the beginning point. That's the beginning of a story. And if you're someone here this morning that has never made that decision to follow Jesus, you can do that at any point. Ask him to forgive you. Ask, ask him to be Lord of your life. And then seek to follow him with your life. It's the beginning of a story. Now we're going to take a minute here. And, and I've, I did this a couple of years ago and we, we, we covered this in Starting Point. But John, in John chapter 3, they call this being born again. When we give our lives to Jesus, we come to new life in the family of God. But we see that there's physical language to describe spiritual growth throughout all of Scripture. Uh, and Jesus talks about being born again. He says the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, referring to children. You know, Paul says, you know, you were infants and, you know, you can only handle milk. Maybe someday you'll be able to handle greater teaching and eat real meat. Uh, you know, and he talks about brothers and sisters and spiritual fathers, mothers. And, and so there's this idea of, of a metaphor of physical growth to describe what is happening in us spiritually. And go to the next slide. And I want to take just a minute to, to talk about this. And I'm going to put you on the spot because uh, I know you don't usually come to church expecting that uh, you're supposed to give feedback to the pastor on stage, but you're going to do that in a minute. Uh, and so what we're going to do here, just for a second, I'm going to give you like two minutes. Uh, this section, I want you to talk to somebody next to you and, and talk about what are some characteristics of an infant. Okay, make sense? Somebody next to you? This section right here, that, this half, you're going to talk about what are some char characteristics of a child. This half of the middle section, what are some characteristics of young adults? And then this section, you're going to talk about what are some characteristics of parents. Just since the people around you, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. Go. That's enough time. Okay, over here. Characters of an infant. Shout them out. Okay, needy. Start. Needy. They die without others. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just lost it here. Okay. Needy. Die without others. That's honest. That's good. Uh, what, what was the last one? What was the other one? Innocent. Any others? Demanding. Selfish. Lovable. Thank you for balancing it out. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's leave it there for now. Okay, this section, uh, characteristics of a child. Nice and loud. Dumb. Um, let's say uh, curious. They're learning. Okay. Boundary pushing. What's that? Magical thinking. Oh, that's, you get the point. Um, 
Egocentric. Egocentric. Inquisitive. Okay, let's go to the next group, young adults. We got some young adults in the room, so be very careful. This is where the topics get sensitive. What's that? S sensitive, okay. What else? What's that? Hungry, they eat a lot. What's that? Kind of curious. Okay, she said dumb, but uh, still curious. Looking for identity. I'm going to throw some out here. Identity, independent, ish. Independent, when they want to be. Sometimes they want, you know, they, they still want to come home and eat food at home. They still, you know, if mom and dad can pay for something, that's good. But if I can have the independence, you know, come home when I want to, uh, that's good, right? Independent-ish. Okay, parents. Tired. Let's go. Oh. Tired. Okay, guidance. What else? Boring. Hey, what are some other ones? Self-sacrificing. Wise, <laughs> miserable. <laughs> okay, we we kind of we kind of get the point here. So, the Jesus calls us to be disciples. Disciples means becoming like Jesus. We talked about this in our bad Christian series over the you know a few weeks ago. Disciple means to become like Jesus, which means that. Once we are born, once we actually come to faith in Jesus, once we encounter the good news of Jesus and give our lives to Jesus, and he's our king, and he's our savior, and he's our forgiver, John 3 says we're born again, we're an infant. But an infant is needy. An infant is selfish. An infant, their world evolves around them. When they want to eat, it's time to eat. When they want to sleep, it's time to sleep. When they want to scream, it's time to scream. Like They, they are not considerate of your life and my life. But they're lovable. It's new life. It's exciting. You know, we, we did parent-child dedications this morning. What, what a beautiful thing. And we know, if you've had kids, you know the, the, the beauty and the chaos that comes with having kids. That's, that's what happens. And we put up with it as infants. Like, that's, oh, they're just being an infant. But we've all met grown-ups that act like infants, and we would say, that's not very cute. That's not very lovable, right? Because there's an expectation that we would grow. When we come to know Jesus, there's an expectation that he has of us that we would begin to grow and become like him. And so as we grow, we become like children, spiritual children. We're curious. We push boundaries. We're, we have great imaginations. We're learning how to speak. Part of the reason we do hearing God is actually helping people know how to hear God's voice, talk to God. Like these are elements of what it means to become a child and grow up as a child. As young adults, you know, maybe we become sensitive, but uh, we're hungry. We're curious. 
We start to explore for ourselves. We, we have to actually move into making faith our own. We don't just do things because mom and dad did them or because somebody told us to do them. We actually have to start owning them and discovering things for ourselves. If you look at the first two categories, infants and children think in black and white, but young adults actually realize the world isn't that black and white, and now they've had to deal with pain, they've had to deal with disappointment, they've had to deal with rejection, right? And so the world becomes a little bit more gray. And so their, their faith is getting deeper, but it's more difficult. You know, when I get somebody to look after my kids, who are 12 and under, I don't get an infant to do it, I don't get a child to do it, but I usually get a young adult to do it. Why? Because they can actually take care of others. They're maybe not at the point where they're fit to be parents, but they can take care of human beings and they can take some responsibility. Young adults become, they begin to grow in responsibility. And before I jump to parents, I just want to say this. The seeker-sensitive church movement struggles because it doesn't, it, it actually keeps people in a permanent state of infancy and childhood. It keeps people in a state of dependency. It keeps people in a state of showing up at church and just being entertained and, and never moving them to a place of actually growing up and taking responsibility for others and knowing how to deal with pain and disappointment, knowing how to deal with God and others when things aren't comfortable. And I believe if we're going to continue to become the church that God is calling us to be, we have to embrace some of that messiness. We have to learn how to take responsibility for other people. We actually have to, to grow into a state of young adulthood, we have to begin to realize that, hey, this faith is not about me. In, in fact, being in a church family is not even about me anymore either. And then eventually we become parents. And when Jesus talked about disciples making disciples, a parent, by very de definition, definition, is someone who has reproduced their life in another person. A parent takes responsibility for another person. A parent needs to be connected to an infant. An infant needs to be connected to a parent. If the parent neglects that responsibility, we would say they're not actually being a mature parent. They're not a grown-up. They're acting like a child. I believe when the Bible talks about discipleship, Jesus is inviting us to move past church being about us, faith being about us, and recognizing that he's calling us to something more. Yes, we're born into the family at some point, but we don't stay there. And so we added lifelong. That's why we added lifelong. The other word we added was all. All people into a lifelong, authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. All people. All people. And I don't know your story. And the reason we added the word all was because people don't feel like the story is for them. For whatever reason, they think they're too bad. They think they've done too many things. They've made too many mistakes. They don't wear the right clothes. They don't speak the right language. You don't know my addictions. You don't know my struggles. You don't know the, the things that I've done to other people or the things that I've done to myself. And I can tell you, I don't know, but God knows. And he still says all. He still says the good news is for you. The other reason we use the word all is because of this. 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, when SunWest was planted in Canada, there was a large group of nominal Christians. So remember in the Bad Christian series, we, we talked about 
this idea of Christendom, which means that, uh, that there was an assumption of Christian values and culture. That, lar- that group was rather large. And so the seeker-sensitive model actually worked for getting people that had Christian values to come to church and to grow the church. But the church was primarily growing in the last 20 years in North America through nominal Christians, through people that had some kind of faith background, some kind of Christian value system. And they would find a church that met their needs, that they liked, and so churches would grow. But here's what is happening over time is that that nominal Christian group is getting smaller and smaller in Canada. And so this idea of seeker-sensitive church doesn't work anymore, if it ever did work. Because we're actually not, the assumption that everybody has Christian values and primarily thinks the same, values the same, and we just have to, you know, throw a little Jesus in there, that doesn't actually work. And so, if the good news of Jesus is for all people, and if you are a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, the invitation is actually to, be, to start thinking more like a missionary. More like a missionary. If we were going to another culture, you know, sometimes we send teams to El Salvador or Mexico or we've sent teams to Thailand, you know, there's usually a training time that's involved and said, you know, here's some language that you need to know, here's some cultural values that you need to know. You have to actually start thinking like a missionary in order to bring the good news of Jesus into that culture. I believe that we got to start thinking in a more missionary type of mindset here in Calgary. Part of the reason we move permanently into a community is actually to take the posture of a missionary here in South Calgary, that we're not going anywhere, that we're investing. That's part of why we do PD Day camps and some of the other things we're doing. Part of why we're, we wanted to move and by the schools. Now let me ask you this question. In, the, in a seeker-sensitive model, who is expected to do the missionary work? follower of Jesus or the person seeking? In a seeker-sensitive model, it's the person seeking because they're expected to show up at church. They're expected, you know, to put themselves in a place to hear the good news of Jesus. And, and if we kind of think in that paradigm, we think all we have to do is come to church. Just invite my friends to church and the preacher will explain the good news of Jesus for me. Right? That, that worked 20 years ago when, when the nominal Christian group was very big. It doesn't work anymore. If people are actually going to come to know the good news of Jesus, we have to go out from here and be the good news of Jesus wherever we are. In your workplace. In your family. A couple years ago, we did a Church I See campaign. And this was a... a, This was a an attempt with, for me to grapple with the vision of SunWest. Where was God leading us as a church? And you know how vision statements are supposed to be like really nice and concise and this is what you're all about? That's not what this was. Uh, let me, I, I actually have a, a vision statement here. So this is the vision statement. This is a terrible vision statement according to all... So this is a SunWest vision statement. We're going to memorize this together. Um, so we got the mission statement, leading all people into a lifelong authentic relationship with Jesus, and then uh, we'll just memorize this. How's that sound? No, we're, 
But we're trying to come up with a more concise way to say this. Um, but let me, let me share with you Let me share with you a couple of statements that we talked about two years ago that I believe that God is leading us forward into. Here, there's the, state, there's the statement. You don't have to read it. I'm, I'm highlighting it for you. One of the parts of the statement, I see a church that because they're not okay with the status quo, they live with an urgency and a discipline in order to become more like Jesus. I see a church that isn't interested in convincing nominal Christians to attend church services, but is interested in seeing people who are far from Jesus encounter him and follow him. It is a church that understands that God's church doesn't have a mission, but that God's mission has a church. I see a church that doesn't create barriers for people to know Jesus, but one that aggressively breaks down barriers to people to know Jesus, even religious barriers. And I believe that honors the heart of why Sun West was planted in the very first place. The church I see understands that church is not a service you attend, but a people you belong with. I see a church that doesn't expect others to do the cross-cultural work, but joyfully embraces this task. I see a church that is sensitive to those who are seeking. So it's still secret sensitive, but it explains everything and assumes nothing. But this church is uncompromising in the radical countercultural life and message and hope of Jesus. I hang this vision statement on my wall. This was gifted to me by somebody. I hang it on my wall. Uh, and often I go and just read through it. And it's way too long. Uh, but I believe there's a heartbeat in, this, in these statements. And I believe the heartbeat that we're talking about, this evangelical part of our DNA, is the uncompromising belief that people were created to know God. And God has put us in this place at this time to help people to know him. And our job, if you're a follower of Jesus, is not to be okay with the status quo, but to actually take responsibility and say, you know what, maybe I've been coming to church for 20 years and I, I act like an infant. You don't think you act like an infant? Well, have you ever come to church and said, man, I just didn't get anything out of this morning. I... I, I uh, you know, this church isn't feeding me anymore. I'm not getting what I want. Now, listen to that phrasing for a second. Does that sound like an infant or a parent? It sounds like an infant. And so part of our responsibility when you come to Jesus is actually say, what does it look like for me to grow as a disciple? And it's fine to be an infant. It's just not fine to be an infant for five years, for 10 years, for 20 years. Like, Jesus is inviting you to life transformation. And so part of the invitation is actually to to look at those growth, growth charts and self-identify and take some ownership of, of our own faith journey is not expect uh, that faith is about showing up and being entertained, but faith is about following Jesus. And if that's the truth, we look at that and we say, where am I in this faith journey? Jesus, how do I need to grow? Maybe you're not an infant yet. You've never given your life to Jesus and you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, come into the family of God. You can do that this morning. After our last song, our prayer teams would love to pray with you and and to actually accept Jesus into your life, to be king of your life, to be Lord of your life, and to begin that journey like I did 25 years ago. That can start today. But if you've done that and you feel stagnant, look at that chart and say, God, where am I on that chart? Am I taking responsibility for my faith? Do I need to take responsibility for others? Am I at a place where I can start reproducing my faith in other people? Because God didn't 
just come to save you. He actually came to save you for a purpose. We want you to know God. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover your purpose, and we want you to make a difference. That, that is why SunWest exists. But it all starts with knowing God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, if you're able. apologize about the technical difficulties this morning. But the irony is you know, we're talking about you know, church services, meeting our needs, and I'm feeling frustrated up here because I'm like, what is going on in the room? These things aren't working. How is this? Event? You know, at the end of the day, it's up to God and the Holy Spirit to meet with me. If you were here this morning, what has happened in this room, what technical things are working, what things aren't, I pray and I hope that you sense the Spirit of God calling you and inviting you. Calling you and inviting you maybe to a relationship with Him for the first time. Calling and inviting you to move beyond expecting other people to feed you and entertain you to saying, what does it mean for me to take up my cross and follow Jesus and for this to stop being about me? Maybe calling you and inviting you to say, you know what? time for me to give my life away for the sake of others. Start modeling your Savior to become Christ-like. Take on self-sacrificial love to give your life away for the well-being of other people. I just invite you to close your eyes now as we head into this last song. And to open your hands. This is a posture of receiving whatever the Lord has for you. Uh, stage growth in your spiritual life you're in. But if you sense any condemnation for being where you are, I just want you to know that that's not God. That's not the voice of God. Uh, in fact, the Bible tells us that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. The Bible speaks about the patience of God. God is more patient than we are. So you might be frustrated uh, because you're not as far along as you thought you should be. Whatever reason, but I want you to know that God is patient, that God is kind. That God consistently just invites us to take a next step. What, what is that next step for you? Maybe you're not even at a place where you, you can say, I, I, I don't know if I can make Jesus king of my life. Maybe take a next step by just putting yourself in a posture in this faith community where you can where you can learn and, and start to explore and you can start to seek. Maybe you're at a place where you can take that next step and say, you know, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. And that, and that can happen this morning. But maybe you're at a different point in your spiritual journey and you, you've, been, you've been a Christ follower for a long time, but you've just felt stuck. And Jesus actually has a purpose for you. He created you for a purpose. And maybe that next step for you is actually a courageous step to say, you know what, I'm going to actually give up control of my life, Jesus, and I want you to take more control. I want you to take more control. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be, uh, I want to run my business under kingdom principles. 
I actually want to start to reproduce my faith in others and mentor other people. Maybe that's your next stage, next step. So I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that his spirit would give you courage, in Jesus' name, to take that step. That he would remove any barrier that's preventing you from taking that step, any fear that's standing in the way of taking that step, that you would just step forward and follow him, pick up your cross, because he longs to give you life in all of its fullness, both today and forever. Jesus, we thank you for that. We thank you for the foundation that this church was built on, that people would come to know you as their Lord, as their Savior, as their friend, and we pray that that would be even happening 25 years later in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. You would like to receive prayer for anything. If you want to pray with somebody about whatever that next step might look like for you, we invite you to come forward. Our prayer teams are available. We'd love to pray with you. Have a great week. See you next week.